Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. Our New Testament reading today comes to us from the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter, beginning with verse number one. Listen once again to the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, If there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Are you glad to be back in the sanctuary this morning? Isn't it wonderful to worship together once again in person? And I'm so glad that you're joining us online. I, I think I, 35, 40 this morning, that is fantastic. I, when we made the decision to resume in-person worship, I thought maybe 20 would come the first Sunday. So, wow, uh, this is wonderful. So good to see you. Uh, what is your relationship with joy these days? that a bit of a silly question? We are about to enter our third year in dealing with the pandemic. Um, What is your source of joy? Are you experiencing joy? Or are you so worn out and worn down that you feel empty of joy? One of the great caricatures of Christianity is that we are a dour and sour people Severe, harsh, unfriendly. We go through life restrained, solemn, and unbearably morose. And and, um, some Christians definitely are like that. But in our better moments, we Presbyterians strive towards joy. Or at least we believe that joy is part of what the Christian life is all about. In the Westminster Confession, for example, the Catechism, what is the chief end of man? That is, what is the chief purpose of humanity? And many of you know the answer to this. The chief end is what? To glorify God and enjoy God's benefits forever. Karl Barth was the greatest theologian of the 20th century, perhaps the greatest theologian of just about any century. His magisterial work, Church Dogmatics, was six million words long. 
He once wrote, the theologian who has no joy in his work is no theologian at all. Sulky faces, morose thoughts, and boring ways are intolerable in the science, he wants us to know. One day, Bart was taking a bus ride through his city of Basel. A stranger sat down and struck up a conversation with Bart. Bart said to him, you are visiting our city, yes? And what would you like to do in Basel? And the man said, I would like to meet the great theologian Karl Bart. Do you know him? And Bart said, yes, I shave his face every morning. And the man left, thinking that he had met Bart's barber. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. That is not just a hymn for us. That is the Christian life. A life lived in response to the love, mercy, and faithfulness of God. Consider our Old Testament reading this morning, Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. The psalmist proclaims that God had remembered and liberated his people. Alone, forsaken, and broken, they sat in captivity. But God remembered them, and God brought them home to Israel. And so the psalmist writes, she says, Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. He has done great things for us, and we rejoiced. Joy is born in the work of God. Joy is a gift that comes to us from God. Maybe that's when it, why when it comes to joy, the world really just doesn't get it. Oh, it tries. It wants to experience joy. But so often it settles too quickly for a substitute, fleeting, uh, fleeting pleasure, episodic happiness, a temporary emotional lift. In his book, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction, Eugene Peterson says, we try to get joy through entertainment. We pay someone to make jokes, tell stories, perform dramatic actions, sing songs. We buy the vitality of another's imagination to divert and enliven our own poor lives. The enormous entertainment industry in America is a sign of the depletion of joy in our culture. Society is a bored, gluttonous king, employing a court jester to divert it after an overindulgent meal. But that kind of joy never penetrates our lives, never changes our basic constitution. The effects are extremely temporary, a few minutes, a few hours, or a few days at most. When we run out of money, the joy trickles away. We cannot make ourselves joyful. Joy cannot be commanded, purchased, or arranged. I love that last sentence by Peterson. Joy cannot be commanded, purchased, or arranged. Joy, much like gratitude, is a response. It's a response to God's work in our world. When Paul writes his letter to the church in Philippi, he sits in a prison cell. His ministry did not bring him affirmation, but criticism. He endured persecution, hardship, distress, even imprisonment. But from jail, he writes, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. How could Paul say that? How can Paul say rejoice in the Lord always when he's sitting in prison, being persecuted for his faith in Christ? 
because joy is not dependent upon our circumstance or situation. Neither does joy pretend as if pain and brokenness are unreal or illusory. Joy is grounded in the faithfulness and love and mercy of God. Do any of you remember the movie A Beautiful Mind? In it, Russell Crowe stars as the famed mathematician John Nash. John Nash is socially awkward. He's a brilliant mathematician, won a Nobel Prize. He also has a debilitating disease, schizophrenia. The movie traces his dark descent into the world of delusion, paranoia, and sheer madness. He suffers a psychotic break and he loses touch with reality, seeing people who do not exist and hearing voices that are not really there. His journey towards healing is painfully slow and difficult. In one tense scene, Nash and his wife are struggling over his treatment. He is slipping back into a world of delusion, but he refuses to enter the hospital. Nash is not sure he can control his actions and they both fear for her safety and the safety of their child. So they agree. They agreed that it would be better for the wife and the child to leave Nash, to move away. She says goodbye. We hear the car door slam, the engine start, and the car drives away. And there John Nash sits on a bed all alone. He looks up. And there's his wife. And she's real. Her love for him is real, and she will not abandon him in his hour of need. Therein lies joy. Christians rejoice not because we are good people. Mm, often we're not. We rejoice not simply because good things happen to us. That's not always true. We don't rejoice because we are successful with our families and careers. No. We rejoice not because our lives are free from hurt and disappointment and pain and grief. No. We rejoice because God is faithful. We rejoice because God again and again appears at the door of our lives and refuses to leave us alone in our disease and loneliness and brokenness. Despite the rhetoric of the world, joy cannot be manufactured it cannot be produced. It cannot be forced. It cannot be grasped because just when we think we have our hands wrapped around joy, it, it, it slips through our fingers. Joy comes to us as a gift when we struggle together to be the people of God. Joy surprises us as together we try to negotiate this journey of faith with all of its ups and downs. It's said another way, it's not that we find joy, joy finds us. It finds us and surprises us as we struggle with one another in our relationship with God, as we seek to be God's people in this time and place. That's when joy comes, as a surprise, as a gift. When I was serving a church in New Jersey many, many years ago, I got to know a man by the name of Richard. He seemed very, very old at the time, uh, 55. 
and at 55 he had developed a little paunch and his once thick head of dark hair was gray and thinning. He was a Christian. He worshiped with that congregation regularly, but he had a problem with the church. He said, when my wife and I first moved here, we visited many different churches, practically everyone in town, the UCC, the Methodists, the Baptists, and everyone was so friendly and warm. And so we would go back the next week, and then the next week, but then the same thing always seemed to happen. Standing in a group of church members, they would start talking about other members who weren't there. And then Richard mimicked them. Well, did you see what Mrs. Johnson was wearing last week? That was so tacky. Or have you heard the latest on that troubled Jablonski clan? The lazy bomb, he's out of work again. Or the Phillips are back in court. They're still fussing about the inheritance. And as I sat with Richard one afternoon, he recited a veritable litany of gossip that he had heard in all these various churches. Their tendency, among other things, to talk about people instead of talking with people. And finally, Richard looked at me and he said, I couldn't take it. Patrick, I just couldn't take it anymore. That's not what church is supposed to be about. There was no sparkle in his eye, no joy in his voice. Now, I doubt that I will ever see Richard again. But if I do, may I give him your name? May I tell him that the folks at Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church care about one another and have a passion for the ministry of Jesus Christ? May I tell them that not only do you care about one another, you care about the other, the poor, the immigrant, the hungry. May I tell him that Madison Avenue knows something about joy? When my son was four or five years old, we enjoyed the three of us having lunch with Grump. Nathan, Grump, and myself. Grump was a member of my church and I gave him the nickname Grump. He was mad at his wife for years because he thought she put me up to it, but she hadn't. He was a Grump. If you looked at him, you'd go, his name's Grump. We often went to a Greek restaurant and we would sit and chat for a long time. I love getting together with him. I've got some stories about Grump I want to tell you at some point. One day the three of us were eating, Nathan and I had flipped a fried tuna, uh, no, fried flounder plate. That was delicious. And as we're eating, a woman at an adjacent table was talking. And I, I really trying to ignore her. I, I did not want to listen to her conversation, but I think everybody in the restaurant that day heard this conversation. I just don't understand why when people start going to church, they just get so judgmental. I just don't understand it. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny that she was judging people about being judge them being judgmental. Now, I doubt I'll ever see her again. This was down in Charleston, South Carolina. But if I run into her or someone like her, may I give her your name? 
May I tell her that at Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church, joy finds us through music and worship. That joy finds us in a few minutes of conversation out on the sidewalk following worship services. That joy finds us through our Oktoberfest celebration and our block party. May I tell them that? May I tell people I see and encounter in New York City about the joy I see on your faces when you gather for worship on Sunday morning and come together once again as a community? May I tell them about the joy that is expressed in the generosity of your financial gifts such that in 2021 you gave far more than what had been pledged? May I tell them about the devotion I see in the way you serve as an elder or trustee or deacon? May I tell them that? May I tell them about the joy I have experienced here in your adaptability and creativity in moving our services online. And then once we had resumed worshiping in person, we, in a matter of hours, really, we moved everything back online in an attempt to keep as many of us as safe as possible. Uh, may I tell them that? That you're adaptable and creative? May I whisper in their ear? that the saints at Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church might not be perfect, and they would never claim to be perfect, but they are compassionate, and they do love, and they do care. May I tell them what I have discovered? Is that you are good people, and you really, really love your church. May I invite them to come and hear with us so that joy might also visit them? May I do that? Amen.